this morning we are going to continue our uh, sermon series this for this summer uh, called Previews of the Christ. Um, we are looking at what we can learn about Jesus and his work from uh, the Old Testament, from these figures of the Old Testament. Uh, this morning we are going to be looking at David. Uh, and our text this morning is 1 Samuel 17, 41 to 47. And the Philistine moved forward and came near to David, that's Goliath, with his shield-bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him. For he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, and with a spear, and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. The word of the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, please come, please open our hearts. Uh, please speak the words that you want us to hear. In the name of Jesus, amen. 2 Samuel 23 uh, gives us the summary, kind of, of David's reign, of David's life, and it tells us about his mighty men. Uh, as a young man, this was always one of my favorite texts. Uh, we get to read about these, these heroes, these military men. Uh, one of them killed 800 Philistines. One killed Philistines until his sword was stuck in his hand. He couldn't open his hand. Another one uh, fought alone in a field of lentils. That's what scripture tells us about him. These are the kind of men that you want when you're facing an unbeatable enemy. 1 Samuel 17, though, doesn't go that direction. It does present an unbeatable enemy to us. Now let's talk about what's going on in 1 Samuel 17. We don't have time this morning to read the whole chapter, but I do hope that you will read it at some point today. It's really an incredible story. Um, the Philistines are ancient enemies of Israel. They are uh, peoples that live on the coast of, of Israel, and Israel struggles with them for a long time. The entire book of Judges, the Philistines are the enemy. They keep conquering Israel over and over. Um, and really, they don't get dealt with by Saul. Uh, they actually end up killing Saul. And only at the end of David's reign do we really see the Philistines conquered. Um, and then 
On top of the Philistines, right, this ancient enemy, we get Goliath. Now, Goliath is a giant. Um, the giants in, in Israelite uh, culture, they, they represent the enemies of God. There are several um, giant clans that Israel has to deal with, um, and they, they really represent this evil uh, in the world. Goliath isn't just a giant, though. Uh, he's an armored giant. Uh, he, the armor that he's wearing, we read, weighs 125 pounds. Um, and it's bronze armor. Bronze armor in this text is the first time that we actually read about bronze armor in Scripture. We're really in the Stone Age here. We're, we're entering the Bronze Age. And Goliath is clad in this new bronze armor. He has really everything that we could expect an unbeatable enemy to have. And he stands close to seven feet tall. In today's world, you know, we have people like Shaquille O'Neal, who we do think are big, but some of us are also kind of big. Well, in David's day, the ancient Israelites, David probably stood about five feet tall. So seven feet is just, he's a monster. He is a giant, and he's threatening the people of God. But all that is aside. David, that's not how David understands what's going on here. David hears what Goliath says. He hears Goliath cursing. He hears Goliath threatening Israel. And he is concerned about one thing. He's concerned about God's reputation. He talks about how we need to defeat Goliath to take away this reproach from Israel. What David has in, in mind here is the way that Israel is God's people on earth. When Goliath threatens God's people, when Goliath uh, is this unbeatable enemy to Israel, what does that mean to the people around? What that means is God can be defeated by this, by this giant by someone in bronze armor. God's people can't conquer him, and by extension, God can't conquer him. And David sees God's role in this battle as, uh, as a living presence, right? So he keeps talking, David keeps talking about the armies of the living God, or the living God. And what he means there is not just that God exists, he means that God is present. He's active in the world. And David sees himself, actually, as that representative. There's another aspect here, and this, this actually goes back to Adam. One of the things that we talked about in the story of Adam is how he is uh, supposed to rule over the animals, that's the, that's the role that God gave to humanity. Adam didn't rule over the animals. In fact, he listened to the serpent instead of to God. Adam failed at that, but David, uh, David comes to us in this story as somebody who has triumphed over the animals. He protected the sheep against a lion and a bear, and now he sees Goliath also as an animal. This gets back a little bit to what Pastor Chris was preaching about last week. 
as humans reject God, we become less human. We become more like animals. And so David sees these animals that he has defeated, and he sees Goliath as another in this line. Goliath is certainly menacing. He's large. He's armored. He has all the new technology. But he is an animal that the people of God, that true humans, have to conquer. So that's where we get into our text. David goes out to meet with Goliath. And Goliath is insulted by David coming out to meet him. As Saul said, Goliath is somebody who has trained in battle since he was a boy. He's a grizzled veteran. And David is not. David is not an impressive warrior. We read that he's ruddy and handsome in appearance. He's cute. Right? That's what that means. David is coming out. He doesn't have any stubble yet. He is weak. And Goliath promises that he will give David's flesh to the beasts and the birds. This is a divine curse that we read about in Deuteronomy and Jeremiah. Giving your, having your flesh given to the beasts and the birds is a divine judgment. And Goliath is promising that he will do that to David. And David is also ill-equipped. Uh, he, what we read about prior to this, prior to our text, earlier in 1 Samuel 17, and again, I, I hope you go back and read it, Saul tries to give David um, armor. And David can't, he can't wear it. Um, I mean, there are various interpretations. I think the most, uh, the clearest one is that he can't, he's not big enough to wear uh, Saul's armor. So he comes out with a staff and with a sling, the weapons that he used to defeat uh, the lion and the bear. But he's not concerned about being uh, really unarmed. He says, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, who you have defiled. David is more concerned about the spiritual dimension of this battle than with the physical dimension. And he doesn't even have a sword. But this is what he says. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. David really is not very practical. Uh, you, need a head, you need a sword to cut someone's head off, especially a giant. And he doesn't seem aware of that. But he proclaims with confidence that this day all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel and all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear. So I think you probably know the rest of the story. Uh, David does take out Goliath. He knocks him down with his sling and then he cuts Goliath's head off with Goliath's own sword. And then the Israelites wake up. Suddenly they're not afraid anymore, seeing Goliath defeated, and they chase and rout their enemies, the Philistines. So how does this story fit into our series? What does this story about David defeating Goliath, what does that tell us about Jesus? Well, David is, I mean, in this series, we 
Chris and I talked about all the different stories that we could use to foretell Jesus with David. Uh, David is a king in the way that um, Christ is the fulfillment of that kingship. God makes a covenant with David that he fulfills with Christ. David is a shepherd, um, and Christ comes to shepherd his people as the good shepherd. And David is a man after God's own heart. David has, um, he understands God in a way that, um, that we aspire to. But in this story, um, I, I chose this one because it's a preview of Christ's victory over another unbeatable enemy. Actually, it's Christ's victory over all unbeatable enemies. Um, in Daniel 2, uh, Daniel interprets Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And one of, the, one of the components of that dream is a statue made out of, uh, that, that represents all the different kingdoms of the world. And it, it's made out of different materials that represent these kingdoms. And, and one is this bronze, this bronze material. In this bronze man, in Goliath, we see a preview not just of um, an unbeatable enemy, but really this, this figure that depicts all unbeatable enemies, all the nations of the world that are aligned against God, all the threats to God's people. And we get a picture of Christ, who is also uh, poorly equipped for his battle. He's stripped naked. He doesn't come with legions of angels. He comes uh, and is captured without a fight. He doesn't even respond to the accusations against him. Um, he is easily, easily defeated. He doesn't even have a sword. And yet, all this assembly will know that the Lord saves, not with sword and spear. David is God's representative on the battlefield with Goliath, and Jesus comes to be God's perfect representative on the battlefield. And in the end, he uses death's own weapon. He defeats death from inside the grave. And then, he is vindicated by the Father as God raises him from the dead. Because why? The battle belongs to the Lord. So, if this story is about Jesus, what does that mean for us? I think we've probably all heard this story as a how-to defeat Goliath, right? You need to trust God. You need to have courage in the face of your enemies. You need to defend God's honor and his people. And those aren't bad messages. They're certainly better than the alternative. But this story isn't primarily about us. We can't beat unbeatable enemies. I think we see that when we look around our world right now, right? The foster care system is overflowing, and there's no end in sight to the broken families. Our city is racked with violence, and neither prevention nor response seem to be having any measurable effect. Our country is paralyzed by absolute animosity and hatred between political tribes. And our church and culture, uh, the tension just keeps growing. Sometimes we're, we're just stunned by the way that culture has uh, so far 
come apart from the church, and other times we're stunned at how corrupted and broken the church is. We are not God's champion on this battlefield. We cannot defeat these enemies. We are the Israelites who are cowering in the trenches listening to Goliath shout. So we need to look to Christ to be our David, to be our champion. He is the one who is God's champion, and he can defeat the unbeatable enemies. But there's a problem. Our hearts are looking for Saul. We are told previously in, uh, in 1 Samuel, this is a theme that comes up over and over, Saul is tall. Saul is physically imposing. Saul probably, he, it, Scripture tells us that Saul stands a head taller. He's probably about six feet tall. Not quite Goliath's size, but in terms of all the Israelites, Goliath, or Saul is the one who should be fighting Goliath, not David. And that's, that's how we see the world. In the previous chapter, this theme is picked up again when Samuel goes out to look for uh, the next king of Israel. God sends him to Jesse's house, and he sees all David's brothers, and he's going, okay, this has got to be him. You know, he's, he's tall, or he's physically imposing. And God says to Samuel, the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. We're just like the Israelites. We are comparing armor, right? We see Goliath's armor, and we're thinking, man, you know what we need? Saul's armor. That's the sacred reading that Kendra read for us this morning. God doesn't work the way that we work. We are looking for signs, we're looking for wisdom, and God gives us Christ crucified. God gives us a Savior who dies. So, how do we train our hearts to look for this Savior, to look for Christ, who saves in such a, um, an opposite way, a way that we don't expect. We need a practice that trains us in a radically countercultural way, something that doesn't look effective to us, something that uh, makes us realize that God works in ways that don't seem uh, very rational to us. God doesn't depend on the strength that we can muster. The Lord saves not with sword and spear. In fact, maybe God doesn't need our efforts at all. And God gives us this practice. God institutes Sabbath after he accomplishes another victory over another unbeatable enemy. In Deuteronomy, uh, God looks back and he says this about the Sabbath. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. This is the story of God's victory, all of God's victories. You were slaves. You were helpless. You were cowering in terror at the enemy before you. You were dead in your sins. But God didn't need your effort. You didn't fight the Egyptians. You didn't fight Goliath. You weren't renowned as a great person. That's this, what the Corinthians thought, that they had 
accomplished something, that they were wise and they were mighty. There's a, uh, an English rocker uh, who went by the, t- the name Meatloaf. And in terms of wealth, fame, and success, none of us will ever measure up to a guy named Meatloaf. And that's not what God is looking for. God worked in a way that, from our perspective, was ridiculous. He led Israel to the Red Sea. He sent a champion who didn't even have a sword. And he gave his back to a whip and stretched out his arms for nails. And what he asks of us is simply to be aware of what he has done. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. All the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and Christ, the power and wisdom of God. We read this in Psalm 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. So, When we consider, when we encounter unbeatable enemies, we can have confidence. God has already chosen a champion who will defeat them. He's invited us to participate in his work, but the first step is for us to stop, to know that he is God and that we can rest in him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you have done mighty works of salvation. You defeated the Egyptians. You defeated Goliath. You defeated sin and death. And you call us to you not so that we can be mighty, but so that we can rest in your might. We can rest in who you are. We can rest in the salvation that you have given us. Give us that rest. Give us that awareness. Give us that sure knowledge and assurance. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.